Peter Koval, and this is You Are What You Note from Berlin Notebook. For me, Berlin Notebook isn't just another stationery and lifestyle brand. It's all about people and stories. In this podcast, I would like to introduce to you some of the wonderful people I met while working on the Berlin Notebook project. They are the source of my inspiration, and they always have a great story to tell. My today's interview guest is Tara Deacon. Tara is a South African illustrator and painter living in Berlin. I still do remember the first time we met. It was in a shared atelier space in Berlin's Neukölln neighborhood, which was run by our mutual friend Paula a couple of years ago. It was on a hot summer afternoon and we had a cold drink on the street, sitting on the steps at the house entrance. A typical Berlin-style encounter. We didn't really talk that much back then, I guess it was too hot, but we started following our Instagram accounts. I have to admit that I immediately became a big fan of Tara's visual style. The way how she uses colors or the original language of forms she was able to develop are the essence of her signature style. After we launched our first fountain penning, the Berlin Notebook Blue Number no. 1, Tara made some commands on the color, so I offered her to try the ink, even knowing that she prefers to paint with gouache. When we met in a cafe to hand her over the inks, It took Tara literally seconds to open the ink bottle and to start scribbling. She was so excited and absorbed by the play with the color that she almost forgot that we were sitting in a cafe. In that moment I knew, something is going to happen. Two months later, Tara made a series of amazing artworks with the ink and we are very proud to present them to you today on our website. Visit berlin-notebook.com and take a look. Hey Tara, Hi. how are Hi. you? Um, I'm good. I'm, yeah, I'm back working in my studio again. I'm biking every day, so getting a bit of sport in as well. Can't, can't complain. What was the most interesting thing you discovered or learned during the recent lockdown? Ooh, well... With the sense that the world has inevitably slowed down and, and been put on pause, I realized that taking the time to like acknowledge and reflect on a lot of these feelings of discomfort, um, uncertainty and, and isolation was a really vital part of my creative process as well. Um, I think I've learned to observe all of the changes in society and take a little bit of appreciation from what this new normal in inverted commas has to, has to offer. Um, you know, confronting feelings of anxiety and just how fragile we all has been really, um, has been incredibly eye-opening for me, which I hope to use as some kind of inspiration for, for new work or up-and-coming projects and just to really dig into into all of what I'm experiencing and all of what the world is experiencing at the moment. What was the biggest change? What would you say? What's what's for you? If you just have to pick one thing, what what's the new normal? Um, I think it's been a very big mental shift 
to be honest with you. Like this, this big sense of uncertainty, um, you know, not being able to plan something, not being able to um, maybe go on a trip or, or go somewhere far away, knowing that you're just you're sort of bound to where you are right now. Um, that's been a little bit of a challenge, but it's also been a blessing in a sense because I've learned to appreciate being in Berlin or appreciate like all of these really small things that you never really that you take for granted on any other given day when you have a million other cool things that are going on. You mentioned the new works. Uh, can you tell us what are you working on at the moment? What, what's on your drawing table? Oh, a lot. <laughs> I mean, now that I'm back in my studio, it's it's really given me a chance to get a little bit messy and experiment with a lot of things. However, I'm currently working on a series of paintings for a group show in South Africa um, with a gallery called Salon 91. Um, the group show is called Things Behind the Sun. And in the series, I've been exploring a lot more somber and melancholic themes in my work. Um, juxtaposed with my ever so sunny disposition of vibrance and color and and optimism with a, a hint of um, sadness, I would say. That's such a great title, <laughs> Things Behind the Sun. What do you think? Is there something noticeable? It's, I mean, it's a bit hard to to not take things so literally. I mean, I'm usually painting a lot of like poolside scenes, um, uh, a lot of paintings in nature and people are always very happy, but I wanted to take this and create a kind of, you know, someone can have a very um, optimistic and happy disposition on the outside, but they might be fighting with something sort of like deeper and darker on the inside. Um, so a lot of the pieces I've created have this kind of, sense of um, uh, joy and and happiness but you can see that there's something behind it especially the way that they've I, I've titled them um, I've created like certain um, facial expressions on the people and trying to use different color palettes to evoke a sense of um, melancholy or, or sadness as well mm. You work not only on paper, but you also did art in public space. Is there something you never did, but you would like to do in the future? Ah, oh, there's so many things, Peter. Um, sometimes I feel like I need to just calm down a little bit, but I would really love to work with the process of screen printing. So also learning about how one works with the, the, the inks and the medium and the screens. Um, I think my work would translate really well into, into something like screen printing for fabric or doing edition prints. However, um, on the very top of my list, and it's been there for a very long time, is the possibility to work on a children's book. Um, I am collecting many children's books from uh, illustrators that I really admire, and I'm always looking into them for inspiration. I've I've decided to just take a take a pause and um, continue my practice of of learning new skills and as an illustrator, and know that one day in the future, maybe it's in the next couple of months, seeing as I have some time, um, but not trying to push myself to 
to publish a book or or to do this or to do that. You know, it's very easy to be influenced by what other people are doing, um, especially through social media. And it's it's so often that you know someone just creates a podcast or they just do a one painting and immediately everyone is writing a book about it. So I'm I feel I'm maybe not ready for that step yet, and um, I'm just utilizing the time now to to just build up all my skills and um, experiment as much as I possibly would like. Um, I'm also not sure, I have so many, I, I have hundreds and hundreds of ideas and I really just need to hone in on one idea that I can take to the next level for, for an idea like that. Yeah, you mentioned children's book. Um, as a father, I'm always looking for inspiring books for kids. Could you recommend one or two exceptional children's books illustrators? Oh, um, I think one of my favorite illustrators is Emily Rand. And she's done, it's called A Dog Day. It's actually all in black and white. Really, really lovely illustrations. Um, there is also a book by uh, Felicita Sala. Um, I actually just received it in the post yesterday. It's called Lunch at 10 Pomegranate Street. And it's beautifully illustrated. Each page is actually... Um, uh, the whole book is about uh, sort of a big family, but with lots of different cultures that live in, that are living in one building, and each of them creates a different recipe based on their um, cultural influence. And I, I don't want to really like spoil it, <laughs> um, but it's basically yeah. yeah I don't I don't want to I don't want to like make any spoilers, but um, it's trying to also. Uh, get the message through to children that, you know, to accept different cultures and to d accept different foods and different tastes and different um, different people. So the, the next birthday of my son is already oh, if, clear. Oh, if you, if you need any recommendations, like I have, I have so many here. I can, I can send you some visual references. I think he'd really like them. Great. Tara, I noticed that Uh, wine glasses and bottles mm. <laughs> regularly appear in your pictures. Um, could you imagine seeing your artwork, let's say, on a wine label? Um, first, let me just... This, you're not actually the first person to to bring this up. And I'm not, I'm not so sure where this love of bringing wine and wine glasses into my drawings, but I, I really like the shape and the form. There's something just really satisfying about painting like a glass with a bit of wine inside. I do, of course, like, I do like wine. So, you know, an occasional glass every now and then. Um, with that said, I can 100% imagine my illustrations on a wine label. Um, I also painted a little bit with uh, coffee in the past. Uh, sorry, uh, well, I painted with coffee as well, but um, also wine. And I'm, I'm actually quite curious to see what the combination of painting with wine um, as an illustration for a label could look like. I think it could be, I think it could be really interesting. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, painting with, with coffee or red wine, that, that must have been exciting. Um, for, for the surrounding series, however, you worked exclusively with a Berlin notebook number one fountain penning. Mm -hmm. um, was it new for you to paint and draw with ink? And um, how did you enjoy working with this rather less than more controllable fluid? I mean, the, the mediums I usually work with, so I usually work with gouache and occasionally crayons and pencils as well. 
they're much easier to to spread and uh, and paint with. However, with the with the ink that I used, I really enjoyed the limitations that they first imposed on me. I didn't see it as like a um, you know an obstacle or a hurdle. I, I kind of saw it as like a, oh this this is something new. Let's try and see what we could do with it. So after experimenting with uh, the ink a number of times on different paper and my sketchbooks, different paintbrushes and pencils, you know, what the combination looks like, I really tried to find the best way that worked for me. And I found it's quite similar to that of like a marker, like sort of a Copic marker or like a brush pen that uses ink. Um, so I ended up using a brush pen and, um, and then at the back it's got sort of a container that you can put water um, or in this case I mixed water and the ink so that I didn't have to keep dipping it in and uh, it worked really well for for spreading I mean as much as one could uh, spreading the ink on the paper. I also really liked just dipping a paintbrush into the raw natural part of ink like this kind of thick really heavy liquid um, I'm watching it being absorbed into the paper, which uh, once it dries, uh, if you look at it from just the right angle, it, it kind of creates this like purple, purplish shimmer, which is something very new to me and that I've never experienced with any of my other mediums. So I am really, I would love to actually create more. I'm really inspired by this, this whole series and what painting with ink can do. <laughs> um you mentioned um, the limitations of the ink, and um, um, when I talk to artists, they, they the, the limitations are something which drives curiosity, maybe, or productivity, or inspiration. And uh, how would you say for you personally how how these limitations and openness and freedom go? together because it's like the opposite on the one hand you're limited to one color or this uncontrollable fluid on the other hand you have like absolute freedom of drawing what or painting whatever you want mm. um i think it's just so much about getting out of your comfort zone i for me i mean working in i've been working so much in the same medium that if someone offers me like, hey, do you want to try this? I'm very curious about it. Of course, I'm a little bit, I don't know, I don't want to use the word like scared, but in this sense or in every sense, like, yes, a little bit scared to try something new um, because I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to create a bad result. Um, I mean, I want to fail, but I want to be able to um, create something that's still in my style, that's still coming from me. But how can I, how can I be friends with the ink? Like how, how can we work together and how can I learn to adapt and not be so fixed on a certain idea of how something has to look? How can I let the limitations of a medium um, ultimately uh, unlimit me? <laughs> the colorfulness of your drawings and paintings stands out. Um, how do you approach color? Oh, well, I'm a very big observer. So, you know, when I'm on the bike or I'm walking around or I'm in nature, um, I'll often keep my eyes open for any inspiring color combinations and either I'll take a photo of them or I'll keep a note of my sketchbook. Um, 
I really like using, I mean, of course, my color palette is very bright, but I especially like using sort of bright contrasting colors. So yellow and purple or blue and orange. And I like to continue, continuously use them throughout uh, a painting just to balance the repetitive use of the color. Um, I also have, it's, I, I don't know if it's actually a bit of a problem, but I have so many unwashed palettes of, of paint, maybe about 15 or 16. And sometimes when I'm a bit at a creative block or I'm not sure which specific pieces I want to use in a, in a composition, I'll just look at my color palette. I've got the colors right in front of me and I'll sort of dabble around with them. So I'll use a little bit of a current pink and think, oh, I can mix a new orange. So a lot of the time it's just about experimentation, but I always follow, well, not always, but um, most of the time I work follows this rule of like contrasting colors. So, you know, purples, yellows, blues, oranges, that kind of thing. Yeah. Do, do you have a favorite color? Mm so hard <laughs> um i mean as a kid as a kid i did it was two you can pick two two um i really like turquoise and red but if you had to ask me in five minutes I'd, it's probably it'll probably be something else it might be purple purple and yellow or orange you you really can't limit it to two that's very because you see my um i don't look at I don't look at color as like one entity. When I see color, I see all of them working together. I won't gravitate specifically to one color. <laughs> so my, my favorite color is all the colors. Mm. You mentioned the favorite color of your childhood. Um, do colors have history for you? Um, not specifically. I mean, growing up, I... Like any kid, you have like a favorite color. You know, I really like purple and I really like green, but it wasn't, I think it wasn't something that I was consciously aware of. Um, you know, I liked fun, playful, colorful things. I wasn't a monotone, brown, gray, beige kind of girl. Um, but I think growing up in South Africa also influenced that, you know, subconscious love for brightness and vibrant colors. When I browse through your artworks, um, I can immediately recognize your signature style. Can you describe the process of finding your own visual language? Well, it didn't just happen. Um, it's, you know, over several years of constantly drawing and experimenting, um, it gradually get to, to where it is today. When I first started, I was drawing a lot of still lifes and objects, um, you, sort of in a very playful and oddly proportioned way. But I was, I was never good at drawing people. Um, I loved to draw them in the parks and public spaces, but I was, I was horrible at it. I was not, you know, like technically trained to draw figures. But I started to draw them, draw them more and more. And I started to accept that, you know, don't, don't, don't be forced into drawing what you think you should draw. Just do whatever you feel feels right. And I started to just, just draw, you know, theatrical scenes with different characters and different dresses. So I was never really conscious. Um, it was never a conscious decision to sit down and be like, okay, I'm, 
I'm going to make figures with small heads and big bodies. Um, but my husband <laughs> recently pointed out that I actually have quite a small head. And I occasionally wear like, you know, those shoulder, like those clothes with like shoulder pads that make you look broader than what you are. Um, so that was the first time I really realized that I put a very big part of myself in, in my drawings. Um, of course, the, the color palette, I feel it's very, very influenced by um, growing up in South Africa and my connection to South Africa. Um, so I think the two combined really just, just form a, a language that I'm constantly also trying to develop and grow as, as I'm growing as a person as well. So it's everything um, closely tied with your own biography. Yeah, yeah. You're originally from South Africa, from Pretoria, living for six years now in Berlin. How does the place influence your creative process? So, yes, I grew up in Pretoria, which is, it's a big city, but, you know, always reminded me of very monotonous suburban lifestyle. And um, I grew up quite sheltered from the ideas of the rest of the world and, and sort of like bigger things that were going on. You're just staying in your, you know, your little couple of blocks in your neighborhood. Um, I was always really curious about people and places and even when I moved to Johannesburg it was a really big exciting move for me and Berlin it's always given me the sense of freedom like I never felt like I had to be someone I I wasn't or I had to fit like some kind of mold um, it just gave me the sense that I can breathe and um, I can I can do whatever I want to like it, it gave me a, a big sense of like possibility and I've been able to take this in my creative practice, not feeling like I have to be productive all the time or be working for money or be working for fame, you know, just just being really true to my practice and um, and just being creative, just taking my time and doing things slowly, um, just with experimentation and playing. Um, Yeah, I really, I really love being Berlin. I, it's, I, I don't think I would live anywhere else but here. Maybe just somewhere with... Do, do you have a... <laughs> I was going to say, like, maybe at the beach. Yeah. If Berlin was just... If Berlin had a beach or the ocean, it would just be perfect. Okay, that was probably my, my, <laughs> my next question. If you have a favorite spot in the city, so it would be the, the Berlin street uh, with, um, with a beach view. Yeah, I mean, I think it would completely change the whole dynamic of the city. But um, like my my studio is in Neukölln. I love being in Neukölln, just going for a walk along the canal, um, walking down Weserstrasse, grabbing a beer. But on the other hand, I also really love being in the nature of Berlin. So in the forests, the Grunewald, going to Wannsee, that's... Um, that's equally as important for me, like the, the, the eccentricity and the, the dynamic energy of the city paired with the really calm, um, the really calm nature of forests, yeah. Tara, where else do you find inspiration? 
Is it discovering the works of other artists, musicians, um, or enjoying cooking new recipes or watching the tragic comedy called News? <laughs> Definitely not that. <laughs> um, I mean, at the moment, I'm trying not to watch too much news because I do feel like it does, it is quite heavy sometimes for information, yes. Um, but in general, I'm always just observing my immediate surroundings, which is a very big part of inspiration for me. And I'll, I'll often take photos or keep sort of like notes or drawings in my sketchbook that I'll always pull up at a later stage when I have a different project that I think might, uh, might come in handy for that. I, I also really love collecting little found objects and packaging and sort of like mix and match things. Um, I have some like chopstick wrappers that I really like the colors and like little illustrations. I found a matchbox in the trash, which has this beautiful swan and it's, it's just using like primary colors. Um, I have like dried flowers and plants, which I often stick on my wall, postcards, sometimes even something that I've drawn. Um, I'm a really big reader of, I'm not sure if you know the magazine Apartamento, and um, I, I had a couple of uh, I had a couple of them at home, but I brought them to the studio with me because sometimes I'll just flip through them, just to just to see what what things people have in their home, like how people decorate their home differently, or what kind of furniture they have, or what the what the room looks like, like how everything is is um, put together. I don't really. I mean, I. I I get a lot of inspiration for my work from like the classic artists like Matisse and Gauguin, Milton Avery. Um, also a lot of contemporary illustrators and artists. Um, but I try not to I try not to be too inspired by other people's work who is in the similar or same field as myself because I do feel it can sometimes taint my own ideas of my own illustration once I've seen someone's illustration it's hard to sort of unsee what you've seen so I try and find a little bit more inspiration from from things that are not so directly linked to to illustration how do you do it I mean this this unseen oh how do I do it yeah I mean you saw you saw something and you know consciously oh this is so inspiring um, I'm trying to um, kind of not give it that attention that it wants me to take. Well, how that usually works is if I've seen something once, it's it's been in my brain, but maybe it's been several years ago. And just like that, it'll come up in my mind. I'll be like, oh, I remember this this thing. I've, I've saved it on my phone or on my Instagram. Um, and I'd be really tempted to go back to it and and to look at it again. But I, I, I have to stop myself from doing that. <laughs> I try and just remember inherently like what I, what I saw instead of going back to it and being like, oh, they use this color and that color. What was your most beautiful detour? Ah, uh, there's so many. And I feel inclined to say how I first ended up in Berlin, but that's a long story and it's been said so many times. Um, so I'm going to go with the, the time my husband and I, we went to 
South Africa for three months and we were traveling all over the country. Um, so much crazy stuff happened to us. Um, we met the most interesting people. We experienced so many different cultures and made so many new friendships um, that it was amazing to be back in my home country and see it in such a different in such a different light. Uh, man, I really, I really look forward to another trip back home soon, whenever that will be. Um, probably not anytime soon because of the current situation, but yeah, definitely to go back home again on another detour. Thank you very much for your time, Tara. Thanks. It's <laughs> been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me, Peter. I wish you a lot of inspiration and I hope we can meet again soon in person. If you enjoyed listening to this interview, visit also our blog at berlin-notebook.com for more original stories and inspiring guest articles. We would love to hear what you think. Give us a like or leave us a message on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. You can always reach us via email at hello at berlin-notebook.com. If you like the podcast, the best way how to support us is to share it with your friends. Send the link to people who may enjoy it or share it in your Instagram stories and tag us. It really helps. You were listening to You Are What You Note. For Berlin Notebook, I'm Peter Koval.